My name is Filmic Residue. Is this the one you said with hard ass? Shameless plug. <laughs> hard ass? Dropping the hottest mixtape. You said the one you, you 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 made one that was like really angry. Oh, I haven't put that one out. Okay. Cause it it kept going in that direction. And honestly. Cause I'm ready to I'm ready to do I'm ready to do a Baz bar. I'm ready. Like I'm feeling it. I'm Bars angry. For I got that anger. I got that anger in my in my belly. That's the charity live stream. Bars for Baz. Bars for Baz. <laughs> All right. Well, that way we pull in both people that like him because it's, yeah, it's Bars for Baz. Yeah. You know, we'll we bar crawl in South like him. We're raising money so he can actually go to film school and learn how to make movies. Damn. That is a hell of an initiation. Not Welcome quite. Welcome to chairman of the board, everybody. On my time. <laughs> Not quite my tempo. We watch Whiplash. Whiplash. And unlike our new government, we weren't Russian. <laughs> we were dragon. We are, we are dragons. I almost <laughs> lost my cocoa there. I'm, I'm a dragon. I'm a dragon. Uh, this episode, or podcast... Politically episode, fueled. Uh, politically... Brought to you by Land Lakes Cocoa Varieties. Oh, the best cocoa. Uh, but not really, because I don't want to get sued. Welcome to Movies Coco and that. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Deep cut. Ooh. That's on that's on our B sides list of Man, I got them embarrassment sweats. Thank God for nothing. <laughs> Kevin's face is beet red. Red as a beet. Not our finest moment. Red like his face has been beaten. That's where the dude. You know, my dad. My dad left years ago. But hey, I got some cocoa. Yeah. We watched Whip. Well, Colin watched Whiplash. I almost called you Ryan for some reason. Gosling, Lolly, Goose. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where your head was at. Anyway, we're gonna get into. I wish, probably. Who is it? Oh, cootie ball. It can't all be you, Colin. She's she's gonna find out you wear glasses. Well, yeah, I've exposed them on my stomach. <sighs> Anyways, so we watched Whiplash, starring a young J.K. Simmons. Is he young? Oh, 2014. And an aged Filmed 2013. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you something about an aged Miles Teller. Vintage. Now, this was my first critical viewing of the film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, upon my first viewing of it, uh, as soon as it came out on DVD, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I did not see it in theaters, but I was very impressed. Very Is much this good to drink? It. Yes. Oh. Continue. Well, why haven't you been? Because I thought it was too hot. No, I've oh, been no. drinking it. It burns my hands. I've been drinking it. Maybe I've just desensitized I thought, myself. I thought that uh, was a mug of. I thought that was a mug of milk. Well, you know, everyone needs a nice, hard sleep. I mean, I sleep hard. Fuck it. I had to say it. I had to continue what I was saying. <laughs> you can't stop in the middle because there's the implication. Yeah, don't, don't stop till you get enough. This exactly. is going to be the um, cast of spit takes. <laughs> of boiling hot cocoa, cocoa spit takes. Cocoa flavored water. <laughs> oh, this is water? <laughs> Just fogged my glasses. 
<laughs> we got a little wheeze there. Little wheeze. Baby wheeze. Wheezy F. We baby. used water. We used water in our cocoa. It's a curing. And the F stands for... Is it stuck? I thought you were a purist. Is it not to... Li- what, did you want me to boil some milk out yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And you don't boil milk. You just eat milk. God, I'm, I'm losing so much respect for I'm you. I'm going to boil it. This is the worst coke I've ever <laughs> I refuse to drink this. This is You dare it. call this cocoa. This is chocolate water. Um, I did Yacht, put, you who. I did put a dash of vanilla in both of yours, though. Wow, oh, I, I Doug, you're a homie. I don't, well, you know. I try. Emphasis on the who. Me. You. Um, so, yeah. An aged Miles Teller. Who was upset? I'm upset. Ugh. I'm upset. Let me tell you, this movie is a masterclass in acting from J.K. Simmons. Mm. Yeah. I actually have here in my notes just that the archetype of his character. Oh my god. Just. I feel it's unique because I can't. I can't think of another character in cinema. At least in my lifetime. I can't think of another character that is able to just strut around like he is with that domineering presence without exuding douchebaggery. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this much. It, uh, no one would disagree with you if you said J.K. Simmons' character was a douchebag. But he doesn't... He doesn't bring it back to himself. He's just constantly aloofly furious, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't make it about himself. He never says, I am above all of you. It's just, you're all slime. I'm observing that you are all objectively slime, and that's just what I see. So we all all agree that he's the the hero of the story. Yes. Just about, yeah. I actually, there's no scene... Because you brought it up, there's no scene in this movie where I look at him and think, like, oh, he's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Every scene that I see Miles Teller in this movie, he just carries himself yeah. like a douchebag. I mean, that's that's kind of the niche that Miles Teller's made for himself. Mm-hmm. Another role of his... Single-handedly bombed the Fantastic Four. Yeah. I believe that. I mean... I, I haven't seen it, it but he I believe has, it. He has a knack for not supporting the movies that he's in. Mm-hmm. Like... Well, he's so, the twat villain in the Divergent series as well. Wow, yeah. those are strong words. But and like, and as soon as that came out, he was like, "Yeah, it wasn't our best effort." Like, in the press tour. Excuse me. Yeah, and then um, Fantastic Four came out, and like it was getting bad reviews, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I could see that coming from like a mile away." He's like, "So, so what? Like, are you gonna?" I don't know. <laughs> you know, we're judging you on your body of work. I don't want to derail this, fellas. This is magnificent conversation. Keep it. Thank you. Keep it going. But and like, so it's just kind of molded me into this thing that I have no interest in seeing any more of his performances. Um, like that what was it bleed for this yeah. the boxing one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he's supposed to give like a great performance. I don't care for it at all mm-hmm. because at this point I don't like him. Just, well, it's tough because that movie came out at the same time as Hands of Steel. With Edgar. Yeah. I love Edgar Ramirez. Got a big man crush on him. Well, I gotta tell you, this movie spoke well to his ability to bleed. Yeah, especially so, from the hands. He could bleed for this. He could. He might bleed. Yeah. So I'll tell you what. That movie... Well, uh, you could bleed for this. Bleeding or you could bleed for that. You, you could bleed, bleed for this or you could bleed for that. You could bleed for this. You could bleed for that. 
You can play for this. This is where it's at. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways. And that, it, as we were discussing while watching the movie, it makes me even more happy that he wasn't brought in for La La Land. Yeah. That he... Mm. The negotiations were short for his contract. Yeah. What? He and Emma Watson were supposed to be the pairing. Yes. And Which I don't see. What, I don't think there would be chemistry. What happened there. was nope. she was already signed on to do Beauty and the Beast. Facts. And Miles Teller was like, I don't know if he was holding out for more money, but like his contract negotiations were going on too long, and it became a scheduling conflict with her because she was supposed to be filming Beauty and the Beast, so she dropped out. And then they brought, they pretty much, I think they brought Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling on at the same time. Like, they kind of convinced them to do it by saying that, oh yeah, we're bringing on your favorite person to act with. What's that movie where Emma Stone has the line, come on, it looks like you're photoshopped. What is that? The movie they did together? Easy A? No. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love? Maybe I honestly don't. They've done know. three movies together, but they have chem- they have prior chemistry. Yeah, I done. just like Emma Watson and Miles Teller. I see like oil and water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but whereas Emma Watson is the sweet, heterogeneous, flowing, uh, healthy cholesterol oil, mm-hmm. and Miles Teller EVOO, just dirty Dasani water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, deep Thomas Water Horizon <gasps> for yeah. reference. Yeah. That was a great cocoa break for all. That really was. That was well deserved. Oh, there's that chunk. Mm. There's that chunk. Just yeah. eat it. Just <laughs> true grit. La beef. <laughs> um, oh, I can't. I don't want to speak too much of La La Land because if you get me going, boy, yeah, you get me going. I know. You said you haven't seen it yet, right? I have not. You should. In fact, I'm... it's probably showtime right now. Why don't you? I just head out of here. Head out there. Yeah. Come back once it's over. All right. You know what? Sounds like a good opportunity for me to take my thirty-five seconds of silence. <laughs> All right. So Colin went to see La La Land. Right. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, Miles Teller's upset. He really is. Um, I only have one note. What was your note? My note is this. Colin could have at least left his notes before he left. Yeah. What a dick. Boom. All right. It just says, discuss the want to play saxophone. <laughs> well, you have your, uh, your, please don't spit that into that basket of clothes over there. Um, uh, that was almost a double kill. <laughs> um, well, you have this called clutches his chest. Your, your Clarence fans. <laughs> Well, oh, the yeah. E Street Band fame. And I, I had to economize that because I was trying to pay attention to the movie. But, like, you've got your, your rock band. So it's, like, people who, like, everybody wants to be a lead guitarist. Like, everybody's got the Eddie Van Halen posters in their room. I don't. I know, but you don't play instruments, so. Except for recorder karate. Yes. I respect that. There's a purple belt. I respect that. I don't that. know if that was the highest level I got to. I respect that. <laughs> Doug, that was the lowest. But, you know, this is like brown belt, you know, so if you can't be the lead guitar, you know, you cooperate, you beat rhythm guitar, because that's really just as important. And if you can't do either of those things, you become a bass player. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fuck are you looking at? (laughs) I have my 30 seconds there. And um, 
you know, and, and so far, so on and so forth. But he was like, "Fuck yes, I want to be a troubadour." Like, you know, I want to be in the ensemble. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I just think that that's kind of strange. That like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's like who picks saxophone? Who picks like flutes and shit? Like maybe I don't know. Maybe that's what you're really into. But like. It just seems like there's not a lot of star power involved there. I mean, that takes, like, a really committed spirit, I think. Mm -hmm. And, like, hats off to people that genuinely... Well, I'll tell you what. I bet you walk up to any schmuck on the street. Mm -hmm. They can name a trumpet player. And, obviously, they can name a guitarist. And they might be even... They might be able to name a drummer. So I'll just name... But I would say... A lot of, more than half of people could name a saxophonist, and it will probably always be Kenny G. Exactly. I got it right. But they will say him. Okay. Or they'll say Colin Stetson if they listen to Arcade Fire. I don't know. Okay. The hipster crowd. What about... But no one's going to name a flute. Well, okay. Is where I was headed with that. Right. I I just... I don't know. I'm just having a hard time, like, logistically forming my head around somebody who's like... Let's just say that for the sake of rhetoric that every... Like, every serious band leader... I don't know what would, what would you call the conductor? Uh, can, is that what they? Yes, that's Even, what J.K. Simmons' okay. role yeah. was. Yeah. So every let's say every serious conductor He's is the captain that steers the ship. Right, is just as bad as him, or just as good as him. You know, there's two sides to that argument, but they're all just as intense as he is. Okay, Ooh, that is not a field I would want to get into. I know, right? Word. What what say say you are a Third chair clarinet player, at, at Berkeley School of Music. Okay, so you're actually pretty good. Right. We'll, we'll we'll at least concede that you're better than the grand majority of people who play clarinet, but you're not good enough at Berkeley to get first chair. You're mm-hmm. third chair. Mm-hmm. What gets you out of bed in the morning, if you're like a senior, third chair clarinet player at Berkeley? Okay. You know what I'm saying. There are so many ways. Somebody should call Avery because I. We're, we should. Because he went to Berkeley. He did. But he. Is better than everybody. He yeah, is. he's not the frame of reference you want. Whereas I can tell you. Because he was chair zero in every instrument. I don't think Avery can play shit but a guitar. He understands every instrument. He can't fucking play them. He can mix them. All right, Avery, come back. Go ahead. Tell me you can play something else. <laughs> Avery is about to just, just materialize into the room behind you. Well, with an eight dollar machete from Walmart. Oh man, just it was a twenty dollar machete. It was a twenty dollar machete. No, it was a twenty dollar roll of bubble wrap. Oh, okay. See, here's the it's funny an $8 part. Eight dollar machete. I'm egging him on because that's how I want to die. <laughs> We know it's going to be death by machete. The remains will be in bubble wrap. Now that machete was bullshit. I almost got hacked in the face with that machete because it's bent out of his hand. 
I bet have sideways. He almost left me for dead. That I was rem- I remember that story. That's yeah. a very funny story. That's great. one of my favorite stories, in fact. <laughs> I remember watching you go. He had to keep charging on. Like one so of the many most r- vivid memories in my mind. Like so many Ron Weasleys in the Devil's Snare. Just <laughs> whoop. Oh boy, that was a it was a big hill. It's a big old hill. It's a big hill with a shallow creek at the base of it. Sure was. I have sung, played guitar, and bass behind Avery Stemmler. At the same time? No, that would be most difficult, but probably not for Avery. <laughs> honestly. I've done you all three of those two free things. Hands. And I gotta tell you, it's a surreal experience. True professional if there ever was one. Uh, I will never play with another human being. I am certain that made me feel the way about music Avery did. And that was before he went to Berkeley. True. Very long before it. And I gotta say, to the third clarinet in a Berkeley-based band, a uh, Bububa, if you will. Bububa. Triple B Farms. Shout mm-hmm. out to Triple B Farms. Great field trip in third grade. Mm-hmm. There are a couple ways to go about that. As a lifelong bandy, up until like sophomore year in college anyways, and a musician to this day, I can say that that person stays with the ensemble for one of two reasons. One, they actually have that utilitarian view that they are a cog in the machine, that if they're out, something does sound off about that. That is something weird in there. Or they do what I did. They don't concern themselves with the seating chart because they find an instrument very similar to theirs that the band only needs one of. Mm-hmm. AKA Barry Sachs. And that that's is... where my ass went. <laughs> because I wasn't interested in competing with Eric and Alan for chairs. <laughs> I was just gonna take the big one. Oh boy, we're in some middle school jazz band drama in here. Drama alert. Hmm. Culturally alert, alert. alert. That's very interesting. I mean, that, that provides an actual answer. Oh yeah, there's a there were a f- good number of situations in that movie where I was like, yeah, I get that. Being in a band, that is absolutely an apt reaction by him, her, and the other. And that is what the conductor should do. And this is how I bet a musician would react given the pressures of, like, an adjudication that they kept going through Mm -hmm. with just the judges so far out in the audience that you can only address from afar. You can hardly even see them out in the crowd. And it's it's weird because these band adjudications are a huge freaking deal. And they are how your band gets more or less money allotted to it to either grow or have to shrink. And there are just these nameless faces out in a big old auditorium, and it's so quiet. There's no fanfare at all. But you and your band just spend so much time preparing for this shit, and then you walk into this freaking, like, vacuum where there's nothing. And I swear, like, if you make a sound that isn't your music, I swear you would already lose points. Like, walking onto the stage, you'd be quiet as shit. Like, when J.K. Simmons' character was telling them, like, in order, brass goes on, rhythm section followed, blah, blah, blah. That's, that shit is super real. And 
I, like, if the drummer dropped a stick on the way onto the stage or something and just created excess noise... You just go home? You, basically, you'd lose points Oof. on that. See, that's rough, man. And you'd perform your song, oh, and when it was over, you and the conductor would both know exactly how it sounded, you would know if it was good enough or not, <coughs> but there was no applause to follow... Your band just stood at attention until the conductor dismissed you, and only he got the word to do so when the judges confirmed that they'd absorbed everything that they needed. And there's just so little communication, it's the weirdest thing on earth, and it's not even like other auditions where you have some dialogue with your judges, where you walk in and they say, okay, here's what we'd like, and you deliver a monologue, and they're like, thank you for doing that, we'll talk to you. The adjudicators sit, like, nine rows away just because they're absorbing it as an audience member would. That said, you get their comments on a tape recording maybe two weeks later, and it's just this surreal experience that I feel like this film did very well to capture. Uh, it would have been super wild to actually have judge comment audio uh, inserted somewhere in the script. But that was very well portrayed, I feel, uh, the stress of adjudications like that in competitions with other bands. You don't even see the other bands. Like, mm -hmm. you might pass them in the hall, but you don't hear what they perform, and you'll never hear their comments. You'll just get your judgment, and from there, your institution decides how much money you should get. Mm -hmm. And I've been talking for a while, so it's I'm going like you two guys. Yeah, it really has yeah. been a long Some time. time. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Go. <laughs> I have two questions to that, now that the only person who can answer that has left the room. Hey, I'll give, leave the door Give me a shot. Thanks. Give me a shot. Rhetorical question one. Is that why band kids are so weird? Answer, yes. Okay. That and so much more. Okay. Two... I wish... Now, I wasn't uh, <clears throat> what you would consider um, a, a bully. I don't, I don't know. I wish there was a, like a more romantic word because it's kind of like a ham-fisted mm -hmm. term. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, you know, I, yeah, I wasn't really picking... I wasn't... Not like... Not to downplay like I was. And I don't, yeah, you were just strictly behind the back. Right. Um, but I feel like if band kids would let, like... The, the the jocks, which is another very uh, undelicate term, mm -hmm. um, indelicate Once again, behind the back, right? Um, indelicate, indelicate, yeah, delicatessen, right? I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot more based on what he says. Now, maybe that was all rhetorical, <laughs> but based on what he says, his experience maybe in being he's just salty, yeah, being in a band, like that whole process, is way worse. Then, like, it's way worse than when I used to go through at my soccer practices. And there were multiple occasions in which I would throw up and cry at practice. I mean, running, I mean you know what it's like. We're yes. Running for the big D. Yes, I do. I mean, running, running that, that hill, that trail in August. Yeah. Hot. Dude. Unbelievable. I'm back. <laughs> Unbelievably difficult, but I don't know pain. if you caught what I was saying. It was true pain. Just the difference between the two stresses. Yeah. Just like if, if I, and like I said, between like. Just I, purely physical yeah, like, and then also yeah. just being a matter of talent. Right. I mean, I mean like, because I don't really know, because this is kind of like 
kind of shitty, but like, I mean, like a lot of the band kids, they don't look like much, but when you hear mm-hmm. them actually perform, and it's like totally, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe not in high school, but I mean. Mm. Um, well, you had a couple. You were exposed to kids that they knew what they were doing. Alan was totally one. When he would perform, he was just very clearly on a level above where a lot of other kids yeah. would get. Mm-hmm. His. You watched Alan perform. You watched other kids do band. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because even like when, if you, I don't know if you guys ever saw Alan's band. No. What he was. Zeke Reach. Yeah. Have you ever saw them live? He was, he was in there, man. Yeah, I saw him. In there. Yeah. But that's why I valued cross country, honestly. uh, Because that sport is just a matter of how much will you can exert on any given day. There is zero talent involved. Do you remember, like, at the beginning of summer, every year, for Run Club, there'd be, like, a thousand people there. Two weeks later, it's down to, like, 20. Mm. Yeah. And then by the end of summer, it worked down to... Like, Like your seven that you ran for races. Yeah. Mm. Just... I'm not like okay. Zero talent might be stretched, and it's just because you can have good form and you know how to like manage yourself as you run. But a man with no knowledge on how to properly run mm-hmm. can out sprint somebody in hysteria that is very good at quote unquote running. Yeah, like, you can't hysterically strong arm your way through caravan. <laughs> no, no, that's true. But I'll cue you in. Yeah. I'll cue you in. Not quite my time. I was going to calm down on the hysterics a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, there were plenty of hysterics in the uh, film, I guess. Uh, lack of raw talent. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some percussion purists would disagree, but I'd be willing to bet that the only place hysterical strength has in music would be a drum solo, honestly. At the very least, it's the only you just place look like you you're could, tweaking out there. Yeah, it's the only place you could get away with it. Mm-hmm. Somebody probably would say like, "Damn, that was wild and kind of chaotic," but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it yeah. The only the, drums. the only thing I would speak to that I can speak to that is, in my extremely limited experience in percussion, is that Hysteria was a great album. It is <laughs> not as good as Pyromania. Mm-hmm. That's up for debate. But not tonight. Not tonight. Is that I... I don't know. I just feel like when you start to feel it in your tries... Because you don't really ever feel drumming in your body. It's always in... Because it's, it's holding this position. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's extending. Yeah. To actually strike the drum. You want to feel more exhausted than, like, strained. Because then your your form's off. you got to loosen them wrists up. Mm. You know who didn't have loose wrists? Miles Prower. The entire movie. Miles Tails Prower. <laughs> The entire movie. Um, it's like it's funny you mention that because I remembered just now that time we were playing rock band at your house, and he let me be on the drums, mm. and I was quickly in so much pain everywhere. I wanted it to end. Get them stone fists. I didn't want to play the game anymore. <laughs> I'm going to bed now. <laughs> oh boy, that was a rough one. Yeah, we should play that sometime. I don't know. I'd be into that. I'll sing. Okay. Great. Yeah. Someone else can be on drums. That's fine, because uh, it's really hard to find a singer. Not hard to find a drummer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I got pipes. 
Two of them. They're electrifying. And I'm losing. John Travolta. God, we are losing him to this Church of Scientology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Miles Teller. (laughs) That hack. Um, Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure he's very good. Um, At ruining movies. Just let my hand. That was Kevin and Doug. That was Kevin and Doug. Miles Teller in a Boz Lerman movie. Oh. <laughs> Paradise. <laughs> Can you imagine if Boz Lerman directed this movie? Strictly all, drumming. All the... It, it's <laughs> all like the, the tweaking on the drums yeah. just coupled with a spinning camera. Mulan. <laughs> that would be the title. That was weak. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a scene ends and J.K. Simmons just goes over to Boz Lerman's like, not quite my tempo. <laughs> oh my God. I, would, I would trust J.K. Simmons with the direction of my I, movie. His character is just fantastic in this movie. Yeah. One, one of the best ones I've seen in recent years. I'll tell you what, I think... From the writing to the acting, it's phenomenal. I like him the same reason I like Bill the Butcher. Just, they're villains that are so unabashedly themselves... Like, you can't hold anything against them because you can't tell them nothing they don't already know. Whoopsie daisy. Like, J.K. Simmons, he's just so real in this. Who is this under my direction? Um, under my sticks. Who is this off my tempo? He's he's very practical in that he wants the best for his whole band. And if that means chewing out people that just aren't up to snuff, he has no problem with it. Mm-hmm. And he, he admits later on that he was trying to make someone one of the great ones, but no one has come through that's worthy of his effort or mm. even patience. No one's going to fight that he's insane. Oh, definitely extreme. Yeah. It, I mean, he even concedes that. Yeah. And the, pl- the place it comes from, though, is his justification. And... When he acknowledges, when he acknowledges that his character does, uh, there's there's literally no fault you can put on him, just because it's like wow that's his cracked out reality, but it's what he's living. It's like there are moments where he shows true compassion, at least that I see. The most obvious I count two. The most obvious being when he plays the music of the former student who we find out committed suicide. Mm -hmm. But he tells everyone that it was was a car accident. And then Miles Teller shows up to the big performance all bloody because he just got in a car accident. And there's a flicker, a momentary flicker of concern. No, on J.K. Simmons' face because it's just the fact that someone just showed up on your stage just covered in blood. He's concerned for his band because he knows they're about to get screwed over. He's concerned for this kid because he knows why the other one killed himself. And he's wondering if he's already pushed this person to beyond that limit. And then again toward the end when he says, uh, well, Andrew, that's, Andrew, what are you doing? That's the one I was thinking. And when the kid kills himself. And he plays his music. Those are the two I was going to say. I don't know about the post-car crash performance. Yeah. If you look, 
there is a distinct difference in his attitude when he's yelling at them in the green room. And great movie. Zip. <laughs> when he's yelling at them there, and then whenever they're on stage. Another charming villain, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, charming Nazis, which we don't have running this country now. No, no, we don't. Check. <laughs> um, and we're all knotted at one apiece. No, I encourage you to go back and watch those two scenes because there is an astounding difference. I think in his face. In initially, and I don't know. I don't know. I think that he his main concern was for his band. Always. He's at the that captain. time. But I don't think that he had as much concern for Neiman as you're pointing out. Everything he did was to make Neiman better. So you're saying, you're asserting that he singled Neiman out immediately. Not so much immediately. And was like, fuck these plebs. I'm going with this guy. I think he had already kind of set his mind toward that, mm-hmm. just after the very first scene in the movie, and then whenever he goes into that like beginner class or whatever and sees what uh, Connolly or whatever, what he brings to the table, and then he makes the decision there because Neiman already knew what he wanted, as J.K. Simmons states later on. Right. But then he brings on Connolly because he's been trying. He's been... Working hard on his double time swing, mm-hmm. which and by that we mean he's just been blast beating yes. angrily out of time. He's probably punched through. Yeah, he's probably punched through like his good, drums. Good luck for your gig in Gorgoroth, buddy. But uh, you're, you're playing for this band now, so. But. And we're also forgetting the scene in the hallway, where he's talking to his former student and the former student's daughter, where he shows true compassion. Yeah, no, I don't think that he's an incompassionate guy. I think we have, in Miles Teller's character, an untrustworthy narrator. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, And I think, because of that, you view it as Terrence Fletcher isn't a compassionate character. That's what his name is. No, yeah... No, but my yeah. disdain for Miles Teller mm-hmm. enables me to see him more because he's just a jackass. See, I I would say that the two times you see true compassion for him are what was the first one you said? Uh, suicide. Yeah, when he plays the okay. city of the suicide, city. and then at the end of and when the he finds movie, when he when first finds caravan out. is over and Andrew just. Keeps going ham taro. Yes. And he's like, what? Ham taro, though. Little Slap hamsters in my hands. Says, Andrew, what are you doing, man? Yeah, that's what he said. He says, what are you doing, man? I think it's the addition of man at the end of it that really drives We're not necessarily equals, but we're both adults now. Yeah. Doing yeah. this thing. And then the respect. Maybe that's what it's the, it's the respect that he shows him. He, we've come from calling him slurs of different varieties, throwing chairs at him, making him cry in public, making him bleed in public, humiliating him to this grand finale where he's supposed to break him on stage to a point of no return where there's very important people. No, he, If he messes up, he's never going to get a job anywhere doing any kind of percussion work, and he just fucking takes over. With, with that said, it comes back to the band that his immediate reaction is, what are you doing... And the subtext is, 
are you trying to ruin this for everybody else mm-hmm. by making it all about you? Yeah. Thank God everybody knew Caravan. <laughs> that pianist is like, uh, uh, it's like that, that chicken playing. <laughs> I will cue in the bassist and nobody else. Okay, yeah. well that, goes, a, that a, goes back to the thing we were talking about before, where like the only place hysterics can get you in music is drums. Because when he's on that stage and he gets duped by a shrewd ruse in the uh, final performance... Deep. By Shreed Reeves. Oh, man. The only person that has a fucking prayer of surviving that situation is a drummer. Because they can just sort of finagle something that sounds akin to where they should be. Like, if you told a fucking flute player to get in front of the mic and be like, Alright, we're gonna do this song. Solo in C sharp minor. Hey, we're gonna do Sleepwalking by Elvis uh, in D flat. Oh shit, D flat is C sharp. <laughs> um, in my experience, Colin is commissioning a symphony in C. Oh, good song. Great song. I do love cake. Me too. Uh, at any rate, that's what you said. Eating for, it too. For that flute player to this be able to me. rip something out that is even passable, much less. I'm fucking third chair. Legendary. Getting on Ron Burgundy levels. Word. Uh, it would be damn near impossible to even sort of sound like you had an idea of what you were doing. Uh, the drums are the only place that that could ever fly. So do you think, and when he comes back on stage, he's like more prepared for it, and that he sucked so badly right then because he was surprised and was thrown off, which I just define surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that first one. Like, I, I don't want to patronize you, but every style of music to a drum kit player has, like, a cornerstone rhythm of just a cymbal, the snare drum, and the kick. So, if you go on stage... Unless... 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 You're Mike Portnoy, in which case, fuck a downbeat. But continue... <laughs> If you go on stage, and J.K. Simmons is your conductor, and you're like, well, I'm about to get fucked, and J.K. Simmons says, we're going to play this song, and you've heard of that song, and you know it's a tango, you as a drummer immediately have a very basic idea of what it's supposed to sound like, and what will be acceptable for you to do. And from there, which Miles' character was very... I don't want to say adept, but very prone to doing, was sort of embellishing from that point on. He would take that cornerstone and try shoving a bunch of fancy shit in it. He, as a character, did that a lot. Which, you know, I kind of disagreed with on a musical level, but if that's how he's written, it's how he's written. So he felt the way that he would be most memorable is if he had some flair to it, rather than just being actually good. Yeah, his character, you know, we just touched on it. He was not looking to be utilitarian. He did not want to be the rock. Dwayne Johnson. He did not want to be a wrestler turned actor turned most America. handsome man. Why well, wouldn't he want to be that? I want to be that. Yeah. Maybe cut out the wrestling part, but he didn't want to be the rock of the band. He wanted to stand out. And which is difficult as a drummer because your only option is to make a fill at the end of every fucking Unless measure. you're Mike Portnoy. And then the whole song's a fill. We get it, Kevin. <laughs> you like Mike Portnoy. 
Um, um, so what you're saying is he wasn't good because he had a library of two songs in his mind. One being Whiplash, the other being Garibay. Well, when uh, J.K. Simmons said to the audience, uh, here's the song we're going to do, and he was like dumbfounded. Obviously, yeah, be dumbfounded. You just got completely mm-hmm. screwed on the grandest stage of your life. Word. The, the the next thing is, we gotta drop the load! And then you... you So it's like what he was saying is like, okay, I know this song's a tango, so it's gonna be in this time. Um, it's generally gonna sound like this. The only way I'm gonna get through this is if I fill in the space with mm, fills. Um, but he, he was just, you know... Well, yeah, Teller's... Fills, spaceman. <laughs> Thanks. Teller's Thanks, character. <laughs> he either didn't have the mental constitution... To keep a steady cornerstone beat throughout that song, or uh, he tried too hard to make it sound good, even though he was truly unprepared. Because there <laughs> sounds were sounds a lot like a president. Jack Shaka Khan. I am in the lead now. <laughs> there were there were situations where he would just there was negative space. He would not be playing a drum for at least a quarter note of the song. And that pro- that has to come from either you being so dumbfounded, Iron Maiden, sure, that you abandon the cornerstone beat. Are they a ska band? Yep. <laughs> or you try too hard to get fancy and you find yourself at a loss a quarter note at a time. And that's what his character kept doing in that song. To the chagrin of, does, the, of the upright bass player. Does the fact Word. that he did not stop... When the song ended, and he played like three extra notes. Terrible, dreadful. Is that speaking to that, or just the fact that he... That's just ignorance of the piece, because uh, at that point he had just capitulated to, I need to play the cornerstone beat of this style of music. And And he just kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and you know the piece ended... But he was on an autopilot already. Mm-hmm. But would you not, if you were in that situation and you didn't actually have any piece to go off of, would you not be looking to your conductor for some direction? And oh, absolutely. As soon but as he already knows you should be done. That being said, he probably doesn't trust his conductor, knowing that he's being sabotaged. That we need to wrap this discussion up because we're at forty-two minutes and we haven't gotten to your stupid question yet. All right. That said, he was probably just not of the best constitution at that point in the song that he even realized to look up and see uh, what kind of motion he was receiving. Is it because every time he steps on stage, he immediately starts bleeding and sweating? Yeah. Bleeding and sweating, in that order. All over the drum kit. But uh, I don't know if this movie will uh, yield any contenders, but earlier today, just driving around... And I thought to myself, a question I wanted to ask of the two of you, that kind of harkens back to uh, my beef with Vin Diesel in the Fast movies, where just literally all of his dialogue is uh, one-liners. What is the single most effective one-liner in a movie you've ever heard? Oh. Oh, wow. Um, I thought you were just. Or gonna... even, yeah, even just in a piece of media. Um, I thought you were gonna just say what's 
You thought you were going to end it with the Fast and Furious movies. Like, what's the best one-liner in the Fast and Furious movies? Because I can know, I know what it is. And this is a, this is objective. This is factual. This is verifiable. Factual. And this is not my answer. This but, is just the answer if yeah. the question were for the Fast and Furious movies. And it's from the first one, which, mm -hmm. if you ask me, is the only one that exists. Well, it's, I disagree. It's the only one that exists. But it is this. Because it's the third best. You never had me. You never had your car. That's it. That's the best one. I don't think anything is as good as... And in fact, better than Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Furious 7 with his entire arm <laughs> in a thick cast saying, Daddy's got to go to work. And with one hand, he breaks through the cast and goes about his business. I hope they're okay. No. No. But also, there's a line in Furious 7 that is in the new King Kong movie, oddly enough. I know. where um, You're all going to die here? <laughs> you shouldn't have come here? <laughs> yeah. No, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson says, I am the cavalry. And then in the trailer for Kong Skull Island... Samuel L. Jackson has the exact same line. I am the cavalry. <laughs> exact same. And Jeez. it's like, it's my beer. Yes, they deserve to die. But and I hope they burn in hell. Have you seen Fast Five? No. Because I don't is it know. the one that's in Brazil? Yeah. I don't know who wrote The Rock's dialogue for it, but it is beautiful. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Absolutely beautiful. It's a beaut. Now, to answer your question of the best one-liner mm -hmm. I've ever heard, it comes from the bloopers of oh. Rush Hour 2. Of course it does. The line is, damn, he ain't gonna be in Rush Hour 3. Of course. For a second there, I thought you were gonna use, you were gonna use the, the one line that you liked so much from one of my movies. Was that when the cops break into that 7-Eleven back room? Is it the boom, 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 motherfuckers? Boom, motherfuckers. <laughs> that is a good one. That is a good one. Whatever happened to that one? Honestly, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Is that one of those ones you got like, wiped from your drive or whatever? I think so. I, might, I mean, I might try to find it. I don't even remember what... Oh, no. I do remember that movie. That was, um... Where strides the behemoth? Mm -hmm. where that, was, all, that was a working title. Where have all the cowboys gone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I'll uh, revisit that. Uh, I wrote that for us. Now, there was a subject that was teased all week amid this triangle of people that I'd like to address briefly. Uh, and that is Colin's perceived hatred of don't breathe. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, where are you going with that? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I haven't seen it. But and I yet you you use the thumbnail. Did you see the caption though? Yeah, I saw the caption, Doug. I was laughing while writing the caption. You're a cock. <laughs> I liked it. And here's a picture of don't breathe. I thought the writing was tight. I thought it was a tight movie. 
the trailer. If th if this is your only hangup, I will not no. battle you. Okay. I will not battle you if this is your hangup. Right, I will. I'm saying this first. The trailer. <clears throat> uh, trust me, Kev. I got plenty to say. I know you do. The trailer promised a gritty horror. We got a psych thriller. There is so much difference that if you're looking for a horror film and you go see Don't Breathe, you'll be sad. Okay, but let me let me explain my side. Okay. okay. Let me explain my side. In my opinion. In the, your rack and opinion. Yes. The trailer promised Jane Levy. What I saw was Jane Levy. Eugene Levy. So I was given what I was promised. I liked it. <coughs> then I'm going to teach you and anyone listening and hopefully the entire if you say world, if you say a single foul syllable about Jane Levy I'm going to shut this fucking podcast down <laughs> so fast. I'm going to teach you all how to address all the bullshit that unfolds before you. And in this case, something positive about Don't Breathe. Jane Levy. Stephen Lang. You and Say I... Say something. Say something. Square up. We value different things. <laughs> I won't hear it. Woof. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, in the small, in in the smallest change of words of Sandy Cheeks, I was right and you were wrong. Para. You were wrong, 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 wrong. Medic. I didn't see the movie. Not a parakeet. Here's the thing. Why are we talking about don't breathe? Uh, because you had a, a bone a to temper pick. tantrum throughout the week. Over. A few of them, yeah. Uh, there, there was, there has to be a lot of suspension of disbelief for that concept to truly function. A for a neighborhood like that to be allowed to exist. B for this hyper intelligent blind ex marine to have truly made everything that unfolded function as it did in that film uh mostly without his seeing eye dog dog uh, what's up two, week, two weeks in a row yep well I've been singing AFI all day but you guys wouldn't know that cause you don't peep the gram Davey Havoc wreaking uh, havoc on the vocal cords America's Funny Zone videos word I'm fried mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I listen to Ouch. Ouch. Dude. Sing the Sorrow is a great fucking album, dude. Don't you knock it. So, my my beefs with Don't Breathe amount to having to suspend my disbelief too often and not getting what I wanted from the trailer. And that you tried not to breathe throughout the whole thing. The whole damn like thing. Like a tunnel. Whole a damn tunnel. thing. A tunnel followed by like eight graveyards mm -hmm. and then another tunnel. <laughs> I was I okay, I will concede that I didn't find it particularly scary. I never found myself mm. on the edge of my seat. Um there were some jarring parts. The worst part was that that guy's just got tubes of of genetic material. Tubes. Tubes. Like how much? Tubes. Like a lot. Like, like excessive. Quarts, like pounds. 
pounds. <laughs> LBs. He's got, he's got stones. You got panders? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. 16 fluid ounces. Yeah. But what, what, what irritates me is that, like, he's... And this is, I don't know, that's not the right, that's not the right word to, way to dive into this argument, but he's still alive. Word. To like, day. For, all for all intents and purposes, we have to assume that his junk still works. So why does he have these syringes filled with semen? And how the fuck did he orchestrate that himself if he's blind? That's not something your dog can help you with. Is it? <laughs> Kevin. Let me speak. At least I know what to expect whenever I finally watch the movie. <laughs> it's just like, is that like, is that how they got around like a certain rating? They're like, okay, well, he's not really gonna like, it's not a traitor. He's just gonna get this turkey baster. <laughs> Basically, no, it literally was a turkey baster. Uh -huh. And the way she does him dirty is by making him deep throat that turkey base. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I could have used that. And then just... Oh, and emptying a turkey baster into a woman like that... Oh, that's if death. There's, if there's that's death. any air, air... No, yeah, that's... If there's any air... Death. Yeah. That's pumping gaseous oxygen directly into the woman's bloodstream. Mm. Death. Death. Which makes me wonder, like, how the fuck did learn the first that the woman... Hard what? Because there was a first woman. What? Spoiler alert. But maybe. Mutt baby. Mutt baby. <laughs> That's Colin's new stage name. Mutt baby. Um. Maybe that wasn't that wasn't uh, a plastic syringe that was used. More of a genetic syringe that was used. Was that really what no, this movie was about? No, he he says specifically oh, yeah. that he did not have intercourse with her. Yeah. I'm not a rapist. No, I, didn't I mean that's, force myself on her. You kind of did. You kind of did. Well, yeah, that's tomato, the, tomato. That's hard to reason away. <laughs> One tomato, way. potato. Uh huh. Anyway, so don't breathe versus hush. What's the better movie? Hush. I don't know that I saw Hush. You did because we watched it for the podcast. It was the deaf lady. Oh right, with the bitch cat. Yes. <laughs> And the guy from 10 Cloverfield Lane, as written by Damien Giselle, who wrote and directed Whiplash. It's a great, it's a great callback. How I, did you do that? I'm good. I thought Hush was, at least, it had more entertainment value. But it didn't have Jane Levy, so... I feel like it had a lot of uh, classic tropes of, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? She did go Gabe Logan on him at the end, though. Why would I you do will... that? I will do Doug, not necessarily one better, but Dirty. one on the same token oh. of bringing this back around to Whiplash. Uh, Whiplash, great example of how to make your villain justifiable and liked. Uh, don't breathe, just an orgy of everyone was right, feel bad for all. Why? Okay. Because we said... Oh, my my daughter was taken from me, and I just, I need that back in my life. Oh, I'm so relatable. But I need to get my little sister to California to escape our broken home. Well, I need to impress this girl because it's just me and my dad and my life, and I've got really nothing else. Well, I need to keep this group of ragtag thieves strong because I've got no other family, and these are my people. Wow, when did a, like a, like a... Like a stoned bullwinkle show up into this movie. 
you keep talking. I want to talk about something. And just everybody in that movie has, like, just a stupid excuse of why their purpose is right. Okay, never mind. I didn't... I have nothing to talk about. Whereas in Whiplash, you can, you can kind of hate on Miles Teller's character because he's just got this tunnel vision... Yeah, as that comes out of my mouth, I guess J.K. Simmons also has that tunnel vision. Yeah, but Miles Teller's willing to shed his family and relationships well, yeah. in general. I mean, even if I can't find the way to articulate it right now, I can state with absolute certainty that I just feel better about lending my sympathies to the characters in a movie like Whiplash than I do for Don't Breathe. Despite the stakes being way higher, apparently, in Don't Breathe. Just because, you know, all well, their little because movies of that over. genre in general force you to, um, what was the phrase? Sympathize? No. No, 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 no. Uh, to believe in the extreme. Bend oh, disbelief? Yeah. Well, here's what I wanted to talk about, but it doesn't matter anymore, um... I was gonna say the interesting things. Did did you see Arrival? Arrival? Yeah. I don't believe so. By Denny Villanueva. Right, but written by Eric Heiserer. Heiserer. Who wrote Lights Out? But I, they, Lights Out oh, came out at the same time as I Don't saw. Breathe. Did he write the short or the actual? The actual. Oh, movie. I saw Lights Out and Don't Breathe. I watched the short of mm. Lights yeah. Out. <laughs> the weird goblin thing. At the yeah. End. I took a screenshot of that. Prepare. What's up, babe? Have your shoes on. That's not romantic. Um, nah. Got these sick forty-dollar socks on though. I'm just kidding. They're only twenty. Yeah, I didn't see lights out. I wanted to include it in my thing because reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't <laughs> because I wanted to see how a compelling short that's all concept can be expanded into an interesting hour and a half plus movie. Mm-hmm. But he's funny on Twitter. I like him. So. He is funny on Twitter. Yeah. Just like me. I flinched. Well, it's a deep subject. What would you? What, what, what would you? What would you rate this? We're gonna rate this now. I don't know what we're gonna do for the rest of the night since normally we're getting done with the movie about now. Yeah, get more hot cocoa. Watch another one. Rip it out. Birdman's not that long. <laughs> That's not a fact. <laughs> watch gangs again we got time I'm gonna say this uh, I'm gonna let you a lot of my notes that didn't have to do with the stuff that we talked about uh, dealt with the cinematography not matching up with actual musical ex- execution mm-hmm. I'm sure that's damn near impossible uh, in all cases For a but I remember swing. a s- scenario in particular where the piano cadence was very clearly moving chromatically down and the pianist's hands just moving way up to higher notes. It was super obviously clashing. There was a few instances like that. If you watch the drums close enough, you can just see oh, yeah. it's a movie. You know, Miles mm-hmm. Teller is not banging that out note for note, and they're not recording it live. That's going to happen. But when a movie like Crossroads, done decades ago, has Steve Vai playing music that Ralph Macchio can freaking apparently keep up with on screen 
it can be done if you dump the resources into it. And in a few situations, this movie did not dump the resources into properly syncing up the music with the acting. I think it would have been interesting to be on set of Whiplash. Oh my god, is this scene done yet? Especially during that final scene where he's just like hammered away at the drop. And just see, like, people just sort of like, oh my god, how are we going to make this into a good movie? This sounds like liquid trash. (laughs) That is, that and a few of the faults we discussed with uh, Miles' character... Just the design overall. I'm upset. Only things I'm upset. The only things I can fault this film with, J.K. Simmons redeems literally any qualms I had with it. I'm going to say 8 out of 10. I mean, I can agree with that because J.K. Simmons is this movie for me. Him, Damien Giselle, as writer and director. More so writer. Just make it good for me. I'll go, I'll go 7.5 out of 10. God damn it. God damn it. Just because, you know, Miles Teller. Miles yeah. Teller. Yeah, I'd give it an 8. I'd give it an 8. J.K. Simmons is... I don't know. I think he's like... I'm going to go off on a limb here. I'm going to say he's he's a pretty good actor. I know that's... He's a great peanut M&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I feel like he still isn't getting... Like, now everyone knows that he's a great actor. He's still not getting roles where he gets to mm-hmm. flex that. Like, even in La La, I mean, he's in, like, yeah. four minutes. But he's in the right movies. He the movies the right that movies. he's in are winning. Terminator Genesis. Right. Exactly. Movies that he's that he's in are winning. That's so. like what Michael Keaton's been doing the past few years, too. Yeah. Winning? Yeah. Founding McDonald's? Yeah. I, I want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. But I know I need money to see the movie and then money to go to McDonald's right afterwards. Amen. Not sponsored by McDonald's. Not sponsored by Sponsored by Land O'Lakes Variety Hot Chocolate? Yeah. Uh, Not sponsored. (laughs) Not Not yet. Well, you know what it is. I've been Kevin. I'm always Doug. I've heard I'm Colin. Alright. Yeah, what it is what it is when we do what we do. Wamp, wamp, what it do, part two. (laughs)